You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 94 of the Comic Book Informer podcast. Uh, yeah, we're, it's Wednesday, right? We'll pretend it's Wednesday. <laughs> we don't have to pretend. <laughs> uh, we're coming to you on uh, October 5th, 2012. Uh, of course, I'm your host, Vince, and a comic book made Roger ill this week, so that's why we're a little late. It's October 4th. It is October 4th, because I just edited the post today, and I'm thinking it was yesterday. And I, I'll get this right eventually. I'll tell you what, seeing as you're the one recording, if you want, you can start from scratch and just erase everything before. That way I can't put it in. <laughs> that that would be good, but hey, you know, get it, warts and all. All right, then. <laughs> I, I can't have everybody thinking I'm just this fabulous, perfect That you're person. awesome? Yeah, yeah. Live it up while you Even can. somebody as amazing as me makes the occasional mistake. Occasional. <laughs> if I felt better. <laughs> I would go back to get some record scratches and some <laughs> Well, last week we had some fun uh, in making Roger read some things that uh, he probably wasn't all that crazy about, at least going in. Although it turned out the comics actually weren't that bad. And we do try to, more often than not, focus on good comics here because, well, I don't want to read bad comics. But sometimes... You want to make me read bad <laughs> comics. <laughs> sometimes we just gotta read this crap so you don't have to and uh i'm talking of course of the new 52 wave 3 which uh launched last month uh, and throughout september to coincide with the zero month which we'll be coming back to at the end of this show and it consists of four comics the phantom stranger team seven sword and sorcery and talon all starting with issue number zero and we're going to start off with the phantom stranger because that was your favorite of the bunch roger it was. It was my favorite to bitch about, maybe. That's <laughs> put it that way. I, I apologize to Dan Didio who wrote this, but man, I even just the first page, I'm reading the first page and I wanted to die. I crave <laughs> death and its sweet release. And I'm thinking, oh no, this is not going to be this kind of comic, is it? And it is. I. Oh, the, <laughs> <laughs> it was cheesy beginning to end. Now, you got to expect a certain amount of cheese when you're reading comic books nowadays, especially if you're reading DC comic books. Okay, I'm good with that. But this was just above and beyond. This was just, oh, I was so unimpressed. And, and it, it, I'm glad the first page was that cheesy because my expectations were low from that point on. <laughs> And nothing changed it. There was no point where I thought, oh, okay, it's getting better. No. It did not no. disappoint in its ability to disappoint. Disappoint, <laughs> basically, is what it boils down to. It was absolutely terrible. And and I love how that at the end, too, when dude gets turned into a specter. Oh. <laughs> and it's like... Boom, I'm a specter now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Phantom Stranger took him a while to get a hang of what the hell's going on with him. Specter, dude, no way, man. I'm Specter. I got a cowl. <laughs> and you will feel my wrath. <laughs> there should be a freaking drinking game. <laughs> the moment it's lines like that, you gotta take a shot. Oh, if you gosh. have not passed out I would have by lived the end. Through this issue. <laughs> that's the thing. 
that's your sweet release there is passing out part way through so you don't have to read it all it was go compounding the uh you know, it's just the, the, the clichédness to this comic. And the one scene that just stood out for me and uh, was the, the cops. Uh, oh, God. It, it's like they watched every bad police drama from the 1970s and smashed all the dialogue into one scene. <laughs> you, you had everything there. You're a loose cannon. <laughs> the guy yeah. quitting on force. It's like, this is really the best you could come up with. Anyway, the actual comic. Uh, as you said, written by Dan DiDio, art by Brent Anderson. And for a number of years, as a casual observer to DC Comics, and I've never considered myself a DC fan, I've always said, you know your comic is screwed when the Phantom Stranger shows up. <laughs> Look no further than our favorite uh, pre-52 Superboy. <laughs> Once the Phantom Stranger showed up, it went even farther off the rails. And so here we have an entire comic that's nothing but the Phantom Stranger. I'd be curious to know, okay, because I haven't, I've, I've been smart enough to stay away from Phantom Stranger in the past, so I don't know if this is actual canon, these dudes, the freaking Goldilocks with the blue hair, all of these dudes who pass judgment on him, like, if this is actual canon that this is how he gets turned into the Phantom Stranger, or if Dan just decided to go nuts with this and invent people with fire eyebrows i i I don't know well you're in luck because curiosity actually got the better of me and i wikied the phantom stranger all right (laughs) and one of the interesting things uh, that i didn't know about the character was that he was never actually given an origin he was always you know this mysterious figure kind of you know wolverine-ish but with a cloak which kind of makes him a little bit cooler in some ways hey little but what's cool uh back in the 70s was it yeah yeah in the 70s they actually put out a uh, one-shot issue where they gave the guy four completely different origins and just kind of you know just left it hanging out there these are ways where he could have come about and a lot of it um was i don't want to say biblical but it was taking place in that same time frame you know 2000 plus years ago a lot of actual historic characters that are in the bible were involved with his storyline it was always something similar of you know he had you know, he betrayed somebody and you know he was cursed but they just kind of had to go a little more obvious with the new 52 version where he's just straight up judas iscariot <laughs> I mean, and this right here is a major problem for me why would i want to read a comic book about judas <laughs> right there i'm like I, I, page four it was like okay I'm, I'm already checked out mentally from this comic i just got to flip through the remaining yeah, you know, eighteen pages. Yeah, it was. I'm sorry. It's. <laughs> I. There's n- nothing redeeming. I. I mean, the art was all right. The, the, yeah. Though nothing phenomenal, but it was good. <laughs> it's better uh, than we've seen from a lot of DC comics lately. Yeah. No. It, and it was. It was good. But again, it was. I. I think that the inker went a little heavy mm-hmm. on a lot of the the the, the panels. But that's fine. It, it, the, the art was good. But uh, there. The story, I'm serious, there, there's, there was nothing redeeming about this. And here's the big problem. It's going to get worse because, you know, Dan DiDio, he's not just a writer. He's co-publisher for DC Comics. The mm-hmm. entire New 52 is pretty much his baby. And as we've seen in uh, the Justice League stuff, they're leading towards this big storyline, the Trinity War, which looks to be between Phantom Stranger, 
Pandora, the, the, the girl with the cowl from Flashpoint, and the question. So whatever's going on here is likely going to be very important to storylines yeah. across DC for at least the next year. And it's so bad. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. But, but you know what's funny is that pre-New 52, and we've got episodes going back before that, there were a lot of DC comics that I still praised that I mm-hmm. still enjoyed, that I really enjoyed reading. And Not a large number, but for you there was less, but for me there was still there was more. Mm-hmm. And I I did enjoy them and I did, you know, I got sucked into a lot of those stories. As crazy as some of the Green Lantern stuff was before the new 52, I was still digging a lot of it and I was still having fun. And of course the Batman stuff and whatnot. And the Batman Beyond, of course. And now it's <laughs> I a good week is if I don't have to read any DC <laughs> stuff, because if I have to force myself to read it, I'm not enjoying it. There are a couple of exceptions. It's important to note that the, obviously the Batman stuff, I'm still digging the flash stuff thoroughly enjoyed. I was telling you, I got completely caught up on the wonder woman. And though you liked it from the get go, I was kind of hesitant. I, I found it got much better as it went along Mm. to the point where I was actually really quite enjoying it. But I mean, Jesus, I'm reading the new, we'll talk about in what we've been reading. I've gone over and I forced myself to read some of these issue zeros and it's, they're terrible. They're absolutely terrible. I'm so disgusted with the, the way they're going. And it's been like, this is not a new thing now. New 52 was a while ago. (laughs) And it's like, come on, there's gotta be, a light at the end of the tunnel and it's like they think we'll just keep tossing you new zeros or brand new waves and eventually you guys will latch on to this and it's like no you guys have got to change what you're doing this ain't it mm-hmm. okay so moving on from phantom stranger I, well it can't be a step down but <laughs> at the very least a step up for me was team seven uh, written by Justin Jordan with art by Jesus Marino. And this was the one we were talking about. It takes place right around the time of the first Justice League story arc, you know, five years before everything else, where the government is putting together their team of operatives uh, consisting of Black Canary, Deathstroke, uh, Grifter, everybody's favorite new character, Amanda Waller, apparently, oh, and a handful of people that honestly I couldn't be bothered to remember the names for. They're, you know, an all-star cast of background characters, more or less. And the the issue is what you would expect from the first issue of a team book, going around and assembling the team. And right then and there, this is actually a big improvement on DC's part, because I think it's the first team book DC has done in the New 52, where by the end of the issue, you have a team. <laughs> like, we're looking at Justice League and Teen Titans, a lot of the other ones, the team didn't come together for six or eight issues, so... At least as far as pacing is concerned, this this is a pretty good improvement over what we've seen before. Oh, definitely. Granted, I still don't care about any of the characters. Nope. The You're right. That's exactly it. The pacing of the story is fantastic. They finally got it in their heads. And, and where they take it from here, well, who knows? But once again, too, it, it's... It's one cliche after another of putting together this military black ops group type of thing. Everybody's got their quote unquote specialties and all that. And and I hate what they've done with Waller, which is I we've talked about that before. I mean, I liked the tough short chick 
from Batman Beyond. You know, I liked her like that. But no, they had to make her either in here, this cornrow tough, butch-looking chick, or in Suicide Squad, this voluptuous kind of Halle Berry kind of chick. And it's like, ah, oh, you know, not everybody has to be an 11 out of 10. You can have normal people too. So this this thing about reusing her in this kind of way, I'm not crazy about that. I will say, though, I will at least read issue one because I, I do want to see what they do with this concept. Even if the characters at this point I don't care about, I, I'm willing to hope that I can be surprised that maybe something good will come out of this. Because the, the actual, like I said, like we said, the comic was not, bad <laughs> which which by dc oh. standards right now is practically top of the pile <laughs> the comic wasn't bad but the characters were terrible yeah, the said. characters are just stereotypes like somebody has a flow chart of what these types of characters are supposed to be and that's they stuck to that to the letter so there's no originality in the characters i i, I really don't care about any of these characters and to me, that's big. If you're going to read the stories, yeah, it's all well and good to enjoy the story. But if the characters are really bland and you don't care about them, just making them thrilling and exciting doesn't make them thrilling and exciting. They can still be bland because it's a stereotype that we've seen too many times. I'm still going to check out issue one, though. I'm not. Okay, moving on, we have Sword of Sorcery, which is an anthology series consisting of two separate stories. First, we're going to talk about Amethyst, Princess of Gemworld, written by Christy Marks with art by Aaron Lepresti. I I have very mixed feelings about this. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I no, do my not. mixed feelings go from this was bad to this was awful. <laughs> okay, well, maybe I'll go with you on that one. <laughs> because... It, and this might be me, I might have been misinterpreting things, but the way they were really pushing the Amethyst story was kind of more of an all-ages feel to it. You know, it's a princess and magic and, you know, all these fun things written by the creator of Gem, the rock star TV series from the 80s. Like, there was so much that, that at least in concept, I was like, okay, this is a good thing that DC is doing. You know, they're, they're branching out. You know, she's not, like you said, an 11 out of 10. She She's, you know, a, te a teenage girl. And who gets transformed <laughs> into yeah, 11 out of yeah. 10. And then you have an attempted sexual assault in the first issue. So yeah. <laughs> it, it it completely killed the, the concept I thought they were going for. Don't get me wrong. The, the execution of the concept was pretty poor, but I, I at least praised them for, you know, ha having trying something different. But uh, turns out it's not that different from the usual DC fare, unfortunately. No, it was basically DC meets, meets Disney. And let's just create this fairy tale story of this kid that's raised and, and the same kind of story as we're seeing in before Watchmen and taught by her mother since a young age to be tough and to fight and all that and whole mysterious story about why. And then it, it's just, again, this is something that, and, and see, that's the problem. You're bringing up the sexual assault because were it not for that, I'd be saying, okay, this is geared towards yeah. a younger female audience. This will be good for them. Let them have a comic book that's full of adventure. And say what you will, the, the actual the illustrations were phenomenal. Mm -hmm. The art Lot, was... Lots of great color, and it, it was just very fantastic. nice. So I'm thinking, okay, well, here you go. You've got something that's geared towards. Let's bring in some, A, not just new readers, but new young girl readers. And, and then you get sexual assault. And then it's packaged with this other story that involves... 
the mutilation the of, amounts of violence. Of, yeah, <laughs> appendages being ripped off and and body parts being ripped off and everything. So you're thinking this doesn't work. It, it, I if I had a young daughter like mine are old and gone now, but if you know if if I had a young daughter that was reading comics, I would not want her reading this. Forget about it. Take off the freaking Beowulf stuff. Get rid of the sexual assault. And then it's like, for sure, there you go, a comic for her to read. But not this. Hey, uh, touching on the Beowulf, which was the uh, the backup story to go along with Amethyst, uh, written by Tony Bedard, art by Jesus Says. I actually kind of enjoyed it. And taking the traditional Beowulf story and putting a bit of a sci-fi slant on it, it at least captured my interest. It, yeah, ridiculously violent, but... I mean, if if you're writing a Beowulf story, it kind of has to be violent. Yeah. But the, the the juxtaposition with this with Amethyst was so jarring. But if they were doing this Beowulf thing on its own or packaged with something else, I, I might give it another shot. But I'm not reading another issue of Amethyst just to see what more they do yeah, with the Beowulf definitely. concept. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, and the fourth and final comic is Talon, uh, spinning out of the Court of Owls storyline from Batman, written by James Tinian the Fourth and Scott Snyder, with art from Gillum March, and I actually enjoyed this one uh, there's there's still a lot of uh cliched character development going oh, yeah. on here with you know oh he's trained to be an assassin but turns out he you know he has a heart of gold but i i still want to see what they do with this because first of all we've been enjoying the batman stuff so much it's kind of I have to assume they're not going to screw this up and talon himself is a very different sort of character from what we at least uh physically you know, he uh, he's trained as an assassin. He can use stealth, but you know, he still doesn't have superpowers. And he, he you know, he's not master detective. He doesn't have all these fancy gadgets. He's an escape artist, and I think you could tell some pretty interesting stories with that concept. I agree. I agree. This is one of the ones that I'm excited to see where it's going to go, and because there's enough that's similar with Batman that's going to be relatable for us, but just enough that's also different that it's not the same character. He's not Bruce. And I think that's huge. And I think that if handled properly, if written properly, the, and if he can try to sway a little bit more away from again, the little cliched parts, um, I, I think we could wind up having some really, really good stuff coming out of this. Yeah, I'm actually kind of looking forward to a future crossover with Nightwing. That There's a lot of potential there. I'm, I'm looking forward to him being introduced into DC Canon in a big way. I I want us to get to know more about the character for sure. Mm-hmm. I want us to get to know a lot more about, you know, the years before what we're seeing here, not just the little bits like they showed here, but, you know, give us some more flashbacks of things that has happened, that have happened in his life and whatnot. But I want to see him in a huge way, enter the, the DC canon. And I mean, interacting, not just with Batman, but with Superman, with, you know, the other characters, get him to pop into the justice league every once in a while, not necessarily a full on member, but do stuff with them. There's a lot of stuff that they can do. They're making a new justice league every couple months. Now I'm sure he'll end up in it. Yeah, really? Yeah. Uh, one, one other thing though, I, I really enjoyed the art in this issue as well. Oh yeah. And here's the interesting thing. The artist is Gillum March, who is, of course, now famous for his Catwoman number zero cover, which uh, has gone. So based between this and other work I've seen from March, I'm willing to accept that somehow that Catwoman cover of his was merely a fluke, because that if you put those two pictures in front of me, uh, anything from this and the Catwoman, I wouldn't have said it was the same artist. So I I take back a lot of the criticism I've leveled at him. (laughs) 
<laughs> he still drew a bad picture, but somebody should have realized, yeah. hey, that's a bad picture. Can you redraw this? You're not Rob Liefeld. You can't get away with that. <laughs> and he didn't, actually. I think they actually had another artist come in and redraw the cover for the actual published version of Catwoman number zero. I didn't bother reading it, so I couldn't tell you, but that's what I've heard. <laughs> So all in all, with uh, Wave 3 of the New 52, we've got two that are awful, one that's only mostly bad, and one that actually does have a lot of potential. So honestly, 25% is a pretty good average for DC in my eyes at this rate. And I, I hate to you know, sound like I'm bashing on DC. It's just this New 52 had so much potential, and more often than not, it's fallen flat on its face. And personally, I'm disappointed because I really wanted to like a lot of the stuff they're doing here. It's just the execution across a vast majority of their line has been so poor in my eyes. It's honestly, people just have to go back and listen to our episodes during flashpoint before the end (laughs) of flashpoint to hear the excitement in our voices, how much we were looking forward to this, how much a lot of what was going on in flashpoint. We were so absolutely digging. And then boom, end of flashpoint. And we see this new 52 and it, it since then has been complete and utter crap. So it's not that we had it in our minds that we were going to hate this. In fact, we had it in our minds that we were going to love this. And so our disappointment is genuine. Mm-hmm. So uh, for what we're reading, I actually have uh, several other DC Zero issues I wanted to bring up. And I attempted to read several of them. I, I think I only made it beginning to end on three or so just because – I don't want to say they were all bad. Some of them were quite good. I really enjoyed Batman, Flash, Wonder Woman. They were they were well written, but especially in the case of Flash and Wonder Woman, it's just an origin story for a character that's been established for a year now, not to mention decades beyond that, and they haven't really changed from their original incarnations. I mean, Wonder Woman has, but you, you kind of get everything you need to know about her uh, from the series itself. So I, I, saw, I saw the stories. It was like, okay, this is good. I had no interest in finishing it because the, the whole concept of the Zero Month is really kind of screwed up for me. Of These characters have now been existing in this new universe for a year. Now let's tell their origins. I, isn't that something you kind of should have done over the course of the last dozen issues? And, but as I said, some of them were actually pretty well written. Batman was well written, but it didn't add anything for me. Like, I was like, okay, once I read it, I was like, okay. There, there was no real reason to read it other than an interesting, you know, fun story that about stuff you probably either didn't need to know or kind of just could have figured out on your own. I, oh, yeah, he was fighting crime before he was actually Batman. He was testing out batarangs. And, you know, Lieutenant Gordon. It, I've seen Batman Begins. I didn't need to. Read, <laughs> I didn't even read another variation of it. Uh, what else was out there? Um, oh God, you're gonna hate me for this. I actually checked out uh, Teen Titans and Red Hood and the Outlaws, <laughs> just because I wanted to see what they were doing with uh, Tim Drake and Jason Todd, because they're cramming an awful lot of Robins into a pretty tight time frame. Uh, Tim Drake, the character is largely unchanged from uh, previous, uh, prior to the New Fifty Two. Uh, they they did change a few things around. His parents aren't dead anymore. They're now in witness protection. I don't know what that really adds or subtracts from the character. It's just something different. And then, of course, he was never actually Robin. He's just kind of affiliated with Batman, became Red Robin. That's that's a whole different story. <laughs> I don't want to get into that right now. It, it, was, it was not 
awful, but I still whatever. It, it it's kind of putting putting out how pointless a lot of this reboot is. And then you have the Red Hood. <laughs> the the whole story was you know basically recounting Jason Todd uh, and a lot of his origin is pretty much the same as it was prior to the New Fifty Two. But then you had a backup feature where it was Jason Todd's story from the Joker's point of view. And this is the most unnecessary thing I think I've read in a long time, where apparently Jason Todd becoming Robin was Joker's plan all along. It was after Dick Grayson had you know, gone off to become Nightwing, and Joker realized that Batman needed a Robin. So he set into effect this incredible string of events that led to Jason Todd becoming the new Robin. In addition to how completely unnecessary this is for any sort of character development, I have a hard time believing Joker is going to be executing this cloak and dagger plan from the shadows over the course of a number of years just because he wants a Robin to beat up. I haven't read it. So. You, trust me, you're not missing anything. It was just so completely out of left field. I was, I, and without point again. Like it doesn't add anything. It just makes something goofier and like bizarre. And honestly, all right, we're talking about a guy who has a clown face and a little kid who fights crime. But it's completely unbelievable and unrealistic. <laughs> Uh, the Green Lantern stuff has been junk, which I know you're going to get into, uh, probably. I won't uh, bother. I think junk pretty much sums it up. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Boz, there's potential for what they wanted to do with the character, but I could have, you know, it, as soon as you told me, yes, the new Green Lantern is a Muslim, that's the it, that's the story that instantly popped into my head because it was the most obvious story they could Cliche, tell. Yeah. That's what I was telling you before. I got nothing against the story and I got nothing with trying to insert relevant uh, political insights for what's going on now. Fine. That's not a problem. But why do you got to fall on so many cliches about it? And that's that's all this is, is one after another. And it's like, ah, damn it. You know what? It's one of those, again, opportunity wasted. Yeah. So I said, even the few comics of the zero issues that I felt were actually good comics and well-written, were still not worth reading unless you're a brand new fan to DC. And let's let's be honest, there's very, very few of those out there. Yeah. All right, you got anything? Oh, jeez. <laughs> In sticking with the zeros, let's talk about Suicide Squad. Because here's one that, again, just like you with the other ones, I forced myself to read because I got tired of everyone saying, oh, yeah, but it got better. And it was there were certain things that I really liked. It didn't yeah. get better. Tart, I'm looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> OK, so I read this. Now, here, once again, we have Amanda Waller right from the get go owns the entire issue. And here they decide to go. And she's no longer the corn road tough butch chick. Now she's a Halle Berry wannabe with a rack that won't stop. And the thing that kills me, just two points here. A, it, well, it's, 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 it's a bad comic beginning to end terribly written. I really didn't like it. Um, this, this like right away, she's putting a woman's face through a pinball machine. <laughs> and this is accepted as something that, yeah, yeah, it's not a big deal. There, it's a military force going to talk to her. She put the woman's face through a pinball machine, glass and all. 
and then just gives her old partner a hug and they go and sit down and have a drink like nothing happened. And what kills me is that if you actually look at the art for the putting the face through, she's got her right hand on the woman's head, plowing it down. Yet the arc of movement means it would have been her left hand that would have done the action. There's no way she could have done this using her right arm. So, and this leads to the art in this issue. Now we've talked about this a lot and my disdain of pervy comic book artists who insist on creating necklines that go so deep that you can see the woman's crotch. Um, and that every woman has to be a double D, not just a double D, but a double D with fakes, which if you don't know the difference as you get older, anti-gravity devices implanted. Oh yeah. What kills me though, is that because there's so much importance put on this, especially in this issue, okay? There was some some careful time spent on these babies in a couple of panels. Uh, what kills me is that it's not consistent throughout. <laughs> this points to the art and the anatomy and how these people think that a woman looks and things like that. So you have several panels at the beginning where, again, you got the gravity-defying, very, very large... And a couple of pages later, she's actually sagging in what is probably a more realistic look. And then let alone the crashing through the wall with the front forward kick that is, if that doesn't scream Lee Field, I don't know what does. And then you look a couple of pages later and you're back to very voluptuous and it just keeps going on. And there's her body type is rarely ever the same. The, the, yeah, so beginning to end, absolutely terrible. The story and the, the art just made me kind of shiver. Um, but I'd rather talk a little bit more about some of the stuff that I read that I really did like. Um, That's not allowed. <laughs> borderline. Oh, I could go on for more because I read World's <laughs> Finest. I read Earth 2. I read a lot of zeros. Trust me. I, 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 I on. started on Earth 2 and I realized it, it's it, terrible. it had nothing to do with the comic that I'm halfway enjoying i didn't yeah. i didn't want to ruin it Don't so i stopped it, yeah. <laughs> terrible absolutely terrible so um again borderline here is um extreme x-men 4 where you got the steampunk thing going on uh i think the entire of... purpose of this series now is just to come up with awesome character designs for video games because <laughs> yeah really <laughs> i would play this game yeah so it was fun to read but it wasn't really a good <laughs> issue and that makes sense. If you read it, you'll see what I mean. The actual writing in it was really not that great. It was okay, but not that great. But it was fun to read the entire thing because of everything that's going on in it. And the art was phenomenal. Um, Manhattan Project number six. Oh, I haven't Very read good. That. Very good. Um, I got caught up on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles oh, as well. Yes. So the, um, the story arc that ended when they finally got... Um, um, they got, uh, what's his name? Splinter. Back. Yeah. Splinter back. Um, it was really, really quite good. <laughs> I, I really love his, uh, his thing about he, he wouldn't be shot by a child with an arrow. That was hysterical. <laughs> I loved it. Um, but yeah, no, that, that's been consistently awesome and fun to read. And then lastly, the one I was going to talk about and I'm scrolling here. Oh, chew. Yeah. 
I, I got caught up on the chews as well. And you want to talk about consistent. It is consistently awesome every single issue. I have never read one issue that I thought, eh, this wasn't that great, I, that I can recall. They're just all phenomenal. Yeah, so, I don't know if you got caught up. I'm trying to remember the scene with Poyo where who, – who was it? Uh, is his name Colby? Yes, who, when he lets him loose yeah, in there. When they, when like, it's just a chicken. He's like, no, it's not just a chicken. Yeah. <laughs> that and uh, just to, to finish out, uh, I got caught up on Skull Kickers as well. I was uh, an issue behind, so I read number uh, 17, which was the, the end of that little Kraken story arc there, which was just fantastic. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> When he's impersonating the the little squid and he's <laughs> apologizing, it was just a mistake. And the Kraken is like, seriously? <laughs> and then I read the uh, the Tavern Tales number 18. And just to tell Zub, because he apologizes in the intro for Tavern Tales and says, you know, we're trying to get our stuff together so that we're not going to have these kind of interludes bef- between things and all that. You know what, Zub? People like these. Yeah. I don't know what sales are like, but I know personally, I love these. Now, granted, not all of these tavern tales were awesome, but the ones that were good, I actually really enjoyed. Like the freaking guild one at the end. Oh my God. I thought that was just being a huge Elder Scroll player, like between Morrow and Oblivion, and you played the crap out of them too in Skyrim. The concept of all these guilds coming after them to try to get <laughs> their money and stuff like that, I thought was hysterical. So, yeah, I, I thought this was great. All right, then. So moving on to this week's new releases from Marvel, we have Age of Apocalypse number eight, Amazing Spider-Man number 695, kicking off their big climactic storyline that's most likely going to be the end to Dan Slott's work there, which makes me a little sad. It's been a lot sad. Yeah. <laughs> Avengers Academy number 38. Other things that make me sad, Avengers vs. X-Men 12. Not because it's ending, but just because it exists at this point. <laughs> hey, it's ending. That's all I care about. <laughs> as well as AVX versus number 6. Uh, we have Daredevil End of Days number 1, which is really cool. I want to check it out. They're, they're telling you know the future death of Matt Murdock, and it's seriously an all-star team of the best people who have ever worked on Daredevil, So including Brian Bendis. So good stuff there. We have Defenders number 11. The start to the minimum carnage uh, crossover with the alpha uh, one shot we have uncanny x-force number 32 and uncanny x-men number 19 for dc uh, first of all animal man 13 and swamp thing 13 starting their big rock world crossover which uh, are two of the few uh, dc stuff i'm still enjoying although again the zero issues were kind of pointless as well detective comics number 13 which is something i haven't read since issue one but uh john layman from chew is taking over as writer so i'm checking that out and earth 2 number five and rounding out the list from boom studios we have hypernaturals number four and from dynamite we have pathfinder number two which is based on the uh, pen and paper tabletop role-playing game system and is actually written by zub so I haven't checked out issue one yet, but uh, it can't not be good. And Voltron number eight. From IDW, we have the new Doctor Who number one. And from Image, Fatal number eight and Guarding the Globe number two. So it's a nice list of very varied comics this week. Mm-hmm. Oh, and last week when you said that you heard that Wolverine and his peeps number 17 was probably the funniest thing written this year, 
like I told you before, they lied to you. It's I, not. It wasn't the funniest thing. I still had a lot of fun with it, though. I did not. Well, it's because you don't have a sense of humor. I don't, apparently, because that was not funny. <laughs> Dupe is awesome. <laughs> Anyway, that's going to wrap us up here at Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. I got it right this week. So mm-hmm. until next week, we'll see everybody later. <laughs>